Chapters eleven and twelve of A Woman's Experience in the Great War by Louise Mack. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter eleven Brabant. It was like a chapter out of quite another story to leave the train at Grammont and find ourselves in the flagged old Brabant Square in front of the station, that hot, glittering end of summer morning while on the ear rose a deafening babble of voices from the hundreds of little belgian carts and carriages of all shapes and sizes and descriptions that stood there with their drivers leaning forward over their skinny horses yelling for fares the american hurried to me as i stood watching with deep interest this vivacious scene which reminded me of some old piazza in italy and quite took away the sharp edge of the adventure the sharp edge being the germans who now were not very far away judging by the dull roar of cannon that was here distinctly audible the american said ma'am i found this little trap that will take us to brussels for fourteen francs right into brussels and there is a seat for you in that trap if you'd care to come i'd be very pleased and happy to have you come along with me it is awfully good of you i said i knew he was running great risks in taking me with him and i deeply appreciated his kindness but jean remonstrated a little hurt at the suggestion madame you are of our party we must stick together i've just found a trap here that will take us all there are four other people already in it and that will make eight altogether the driver will take us to brussels for twelve francs each with an extra five francs if we get there safely so i waved good-bye to the little cart with the friendly american who waved back as he drove away into the sunlight shouting good luck good luck as i heard that deep-sounding english word come ringing across the flagged old brabant village it was as though i realized its meaning for the first time good luck and my heart clutched at it and clung to it searching for strength as the heart of women and men too will do in wartime chapter twelve driving extraordinary the task of arranging that party in the wagonette was anything but easy the old liege professor in his sombre black sat on the back seat while in front sat an equally enormous old banker from brussels also in black and those two huge men seemed to stick up out of the carriage like vast black pillars they moved their seats afterwards but it did not make any difference wherever they sat they stuck up like huge black pillars calling attention to us in what seemed to me a distinctly undesirable way two horses we had for our long drive to brussels and uncommonly bony horses they were our carriage was a species of long drawn-out victoria it had an extra seat behind with its back to the horses a horrid tilting little seat as i soon discovered for it was there that i found myself sitting with jean beside me as we started off through the golden saturday morning jean and i had each to curl an arm round the back of the seat otherwise we should have been tipped out for a tremendously steep white hill road lined with poplars began to rise before us and we were in constant danger of falling forward on our noses but the only thing i cared about by then was to sit next to jean he seemed to be my only safeguard my only hope of getting through this risky adventure and in low voices we discussed what i should do if we did indeed meet the enemy a contingency which began to grow more and more probable every moment all sorts of schemes were discussed between us sitting there at the back of that jolting carriage 
but it was quite evident to both that though we might make up a plausible story as to why i was going to brussels although i might call myself an american or an italian or a spaniard seeing that i could speak those languages well enough to deceive the germans and seeing also that i had the letter to the spanish minister in my bag from the vice-consul at antwerp still neither i nor jean could do the one thing necessary we could not produce any papers of mine that would satisfy the germans if i fell into their hands but we're not going to meet them said jean he lit a cigarette you had better give me all your papers he added airily what will you do with them he smoked and thought if we meet the germans i'll throw them away somewhere but how on earth shall i ever get them again and suppose the germans see you throwing them away i did not like the phrase throw them away it seemed like taking from me the most precious thing in the world the one thing that i had firmly determined never to part with my passport but i now discovered that jean had a thoughtful mood upon him and did not want to talk he wanted to think he told me so he said it is necessary that i think out many little things now pardon and he tapped his brow so i left him to it along the white sun-bathed road as we drove we met a continual procession of carts wagons fiacres and vehicles of all shapes kinds and descriptions full of peasants or bourgeoisie all travelling in the direction of ghent every now and then a private motor-car would flash past us flying the red white and blue flag of holland or the stars and stripes of america they had an almost impudent insouciance with them those lucky neutral motor-cars as they rushed along the sunny brabant road to brussels joyously confident that there would be no trouble for them if they met the germans how i envied them how i longed to be able by some magic to prove myself american or dutch every ten minutes or so we used to shout to people on the road coming from the opposite direction il y a des allemands or il y a du danger and the answer would come back pas des allemands or oui les allemands sont là pointing to the right or les allemands sont là pointing to the left i would feel horribly uncomfortable then although apparently i was not frightened in the least there was one thing that undeceived me about myself i had lost the power to think as clearly as usual i found that my brain refused to consider what i should do if the worst came to the worst whenever i got to that point my thoughts jibbed vagueness seized upon me i only knew that i was in for it now that i was seated there in that old rickety carriage that i was well inside the german lines and that it was too late to turn back in a way it was a relief to feel incapable of dealing with the situation because it set my mind free to observe the exquisite beauty of the country we were travelling through and the golden sweetness of that never-to-be-forgotten september day up and up that long steep white hill our carriage climbed with rows of wonderful high poplars waving in the breeze on either side of us and gracious grey belgian chateaux showing their beautiful lines through vistas of flower-filled gardens and green undulating woods of such richness and fertility and calm happy opulence that the sound of the cannon growing ever louder across the valleys almost lost its meaning in such a fair enchanted country but the breeze blew round us a soft and gentle breeze laden with the scent of flowers and green things red pears of great size and mellowness hung on the orchard trees the purple cabbage that the brabant peasants cultivate made bright spots along the ground 
in the villages at the doors of the little white cottages i saw old wrinkled belgian women sitting little fair-haired blue-eyed children with peculiarly small sweet faces stood looking up and down the long roads with an expression that often brought the tears to my eyes as i realized the fears that those poor little baby hearts must be filled with in those desperate days and yet the prevailing note of the people we met along that road was still gaiety rather than sadness or terror il y a des allemands il y a du danger we went on perpetually with our questions and the answers would come back laughingly with shakings of the head no not met any germans or no they are fighting round ninot we've been making detours all the morning to try and get out of their way and now the road was so steep that jean and i jumped down from our sloping seat at the back and walked up the hill to save the bony horses every now and then we would pause to look back at that wide dream-like view which grew more and more magnificent the higher we ascended until at last fair brabant lay stretched out behind us bathed in a glittering sunlight that had in it that day some exquisitely poignant quality as though it were more golden than gold just because across that great plain to the left the fierce detonations of heavy artillery told of the terrific struggles that were going on there for life and death presently we met a couple of black-robed belgian priests walking down the hill and mopping their pale faces under their black felt hats the germans are all over the place to-day they told us and yesterday they arrested a train full of people between Angion and hall they suspected them of carrying letters into brussels so they cut the train lines last night and marched the people off to be searched the young men may have been sent into germany to-day or so rumour says that may or may not be true but anyway it is quite true that the trainload of passengers was arrested wholesale and that every single one of them was searched and those who were found carrying letters were taken prisoners perhaps to be shot c'est ça said jean coolly we bade the priest good-bye and trudged on jean presently under his breath said i've got a hundred letters in my pockets i'm taking them from antwerp people into brussels i suppose i shall have to leave them somewhere he smiled his queer high-up smile showing all his white teeth and i felt sure that he was planning something i felt certain he was not going to be balked at the top of the hill we got into our trap again and off we started travelling at a great rate we dashed along and vehicles dashed past us in the opposite direction and i had the feeling that i was going for a picnic so bright was the day so beautiful the surroundings so quick the movements along the road at Angen, said jean turning round and addressing the other people in the carriage by now they had all made friends with each other and were chattering nineteen to the dozen at Angen, we shall get lunch but there is nowhere that one finds lunch at Angen, protested the fat brussels banker i promise you as good a lunch as ever you have eaten and good wine to wash it down was jean's reply at last we arrived at Angen and found ourselves in a little brown straggling picturesque village on a hillside full of peasants who were gathered in a dense crowd in the grand place which was here the village common they had come in out of the fields these peasants stained with mud and all the discolorations of the soil their innocent faces spoke of the calm sweet things of nature but mixed with the innocence was a great wonder and bewilderment now all this time ever since we left ghent we had never seen a belgian militaire that of itself told its own story 
of how completely we were outside the last chance of belgian protection outside la dernière ligne end of chapter twelve recording by expatriate in bangor maine